Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Centered, Committed, Confident. I'm your co-host, Cody Rogers. I'm Regan Erickson. And I'm Hannah Erickson. And this podcast exists to help you center your life on Christ, commit yourself to discipleship, and become more confident in the Word of God, all three of which we are going to be doing today, because today marks the, the very beginning, the start of our long Ooh. journey through the New City Catechism. Boop, boop. For you guys, you've been Exciting. waiting at least a week to find out. We just recorded the last episode about three minutes ago. Um, Instant so, gratification for us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it feels a little weird, but you know, we're recording a few ahead of time because Christmas season and everything, and we want to keep on providing. Um, I just hit my desk and I could hear it go <laughs> boom to the microphone, so I apologize. Okay. Um, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a structure that we go through with the uh, New City Catechism to make it predictable for the listener and and make it um, applicational and not just head knowledge. Uh, we're going to be asking essentially three questions. The first one, so we're, I mean, we're going to read what the question is of the New City Catechism. And before we get to the answer, we're going to ask, how would the world answer this? Both like, what would the world say and what does the world show by actions that, that it would answer, right? Um, that's the first question. The second one then is going to be, how does scripture answer it? And that's when we'll get into the actual Def, uh, like answer that the New City Catechism gives. And the, the third question, we'll nuance it a little bit based on each question and whatnot, but it essentially gets to the gist of how do we live that out in our lives, right? If we, mm-hmm. if we sincerely believe that, if we believe that answer, then what should that look like in our lives? And also to add to that, if, it, if our lives don't look like that, how do we change it? What are some practical applicational ways that we can start doing that? So that'll be quote unquote, the applicational part, right? Yeah. Uh, the first two are more evalu- evaluative. Is that, that's a word, right? Evaluative. Yeah. yeah evaluative. Sure. I mean, they will evaluate it. There you <laughs> go. Sound, yeah. Good. Okay. Uh, anything to, to add before we dive into this very first question? That's great. Let's go. Do it. All right. Number if you, one. If you open up the new city catechism on your phone, or I guess technically you can buy the book. I have the kids version in a book for my kids. Um, yeah. You but, can also go to the website too. Oh Yeah. What's if you're a against website? Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> Can Who I get does the... that? <laughs> I did it on my computer, but I was like, I just got to, the phone is just the way to go. It's just great. And I mean, the app has really cool, like little graphics that like yeah. when you click on it, the things move and everything. It's pretty it's sweet. <laughs> like they draw into this view. Anyway. But if you don't like that, you can shut it off. That's true. Anyways, let's just dive in. All right. <laughs> Thanks for Bring it in, everybody. keeping us centered. Um, here we go. Uh, the very first question, it's actually in the... Um, like there's three major sections to the new city catechism. Right. And, uh, Oh shoot. I just, I just, we're in part one. Yeah. I just dropped out of it. Oh, here. So there's three major sections and the part one is God creation and fall law. That's what we're covering. And, and the first question itself is what is our only hope in life and death? So that's the question. How would the world answer this or what, you know, how would culture answer this? I think what I see um, the world answering this would be if you, um, if you do enough good things, if you do enough good deeds, if you are successful, then you'll end up in a good place. And so their hope is for maybe something good at the end of their life and hopefully a lot of satisfaction along the way. Yeah. I kind of think, like I, I see the world trying to answer it. They're trying to figure out what's going on. What's the point of everything. And like, so you see people chasing a status image or wealth or 
whatever they've defined that brings them happiness or what matters in their life and whatever they've defined that as. So in one, one sense, we, we say that the, um, the world itself is the answer um, in like what the world can provide you is what gives us hope. So whether it's that uh, status symbol, that success, money, um, we, we feel um, and our culture tells us that, that hope is found in what you can achieve in life. So in, in one sense, we're saying that the world is our hope, right? And yeah. the things of this world are hope. In the yeah. other sense, though, we're saying that uh, we ourselves are our hope. Yeah. Know, what we can accomplish, what yeah. we can do, um, the, the, the good things that we can put out into the world um, are the things that will allow us to even be in a good place, right? Like the, we talked about it a long time ago, moralistic therapeutic deism. The idea yep. is that like you can be good, right? Yep. And, and at, many people have this concept like, yeah, I believe in God and good people go to hell or good people go to heaven, bad people go to hell. And a good person is a person that tries to do good. Yeah. And that rests. And who does that put our hope in? Us. Us. Anything we can do. And, and I think a central theme through all of them that I see is it's an action. There's something you're doing or trying to accomplish. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's get into that. If the world is telling us that um, our, our only hope in life and death is what we can accomplish and what yep. we can do. Um, I, I have some friends that are atheists and they believe you have one life, right? So you yep. better make it count. And so their hope in life and death is that they, they will leave a lasting impact for generations to come. And that's that's not a um, that's a noble desire, right? Yeah. To like leave a lasting impact. So it's that that's like a, a desire of the human soul, right? But their answer to it is to to be fed by the world. And so um, where was I getting with this? I want oh I wanted to say, um, you know, if you believe that your only hope in life and death is what you're able to accomplish. What does that do? Like, what kind of actions does that make? What, what kind of person do you become? Or yeah. what, what's the way you think? Like, if I'm a college student right now, and even if I say that my hope is like Jesus or something, um, if I actually truly believe that my hope is in me, what am I going to be doing? Like, what are some symptoms yeah. of that? I think that that's often leads to like a high achieving thing. So you may like, for me in college, a lot of that looked like striving to build my resume perfectly. Because if my... Um, hope was in my future career, then every club I joined, every decision I made, I was thinking about how will this look on my resume? How will this um, answer in an interview? And how can I make every part of my action uh, work towards my future career? Mm -hmm. And so everything was consumed by this thing that I was putting my hope in. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you see like people constantly having to raise the bar. There's like, you know, if you can do good you have to keep doing good and more good and more good and make more money and more money or get more famous or something along those lines. You, you know, once you start trying to set this threshold, you have to keep moving that threshold to keep achieving mm -hmm. and it never stops. So you are, uh, it can flesh itself out in perfectionism or achievement and success oriented mindset, it can flesh itself out into never being fully satisfied and always wanting the next best thing. Um, I'd say it fleshes itself out in um, unknown depression and anxiety. Yeah, I was about to say uh, that, yeah. yeah. Um, if you, uh, I now 
I want to be very clear. I'm not saying this is the only or sole reason, but I will say that if you are suffering from anxiety and or or depression, um, that you should at least evaluate where your hope lies because it it could be possible and maybe even probable, depending on what's going on in your life, that if you're putting your hope in the world and what you can achieve, um, and you're failing at that, or you feel like you are, or that you think the world is on your shoulders, that will cause anxiety. That will mm-hmm. cause anxiety attacks. That will cause depression when you feel like you've let yourself down or let other people down. Um, and so, like I said, not the sole reason, but definitely a reason worth evaluating. And one of the first ones I would recommend to somebody is like, well, where's your hope at um, when you head into a situation or head into a test or head into like, what what, what are you what are you hoping to accomplish in this? Um, and I think with that, like we see this culture of hopelessness. Like yeah. I think of so many of my friends that don't have their hope in Jesus and they truly live a life where they would say that they feel pretty hopeless because everything keeps crumbling around them and whatever they're striving for, they can never quite reach it. And so then they just get lost in mm-hmm. this um, pit of hopelessness with no um, foreseeable way out. Yep. Um, and I want to turn this on its on its head too. I'd say that an over optimism can come from it as well. Mm. Like I want to take like um, like sayings like "be the light," right? They have a, a a scriptural basis. If you were to actually draw that in scripture, um, and I don't want to get too much into the answer of the catechism yet, but what what I want to get into is like if you put all your hope in mankind and what can be accomplished through man. Um, the saying be the light could take on a different meaning. And that's like other people's hope is found on how you treat them Mm -hmm. on, on what you can provide for them on, on the atmosphere you can create or the things that you can give them to satisfy them. Like, so it can even turn into a, um, an over optimism. Uh, like if our hope's in the wrong place, it can turn Mm -hmm. into this over optimism of like, just be the light, be good to all. And, and it's not because of Christ, but it's because we believe that we can give people hope outside mm-hmm. of Christ and and in the world and, and in the happiness we can provide, mm-hmm. yeah. and, that, and that they would then desire to also provide happiness, right? Um, so I, I think that covers a lot of it. Yeah. Um, I like covering the symptoms of what it looks like if you're living by the world. Go ahead and, if you're listening to this right now, evaluate your life, evaluate yourself, Think about the things that cause you stress, anxiety, fear, um, the things that delight you, the things that yeah. make you happy, the things that fulfill you. And I want you to think about where, what do those imply that, that your hope is found in? Um, and, and I think you might be shocked that there are areas that you hadn't even thought about until you listened to this podcast. But like, I'm, I'm putting my hope in my grades. Like, it ruins me to think about getting a D and... And, and you know what? My hope is in what I hope this this degree will achieve for me. I'm not doing it for the glory of God. I'm not actually doing it because my hope is found and I'm accepted already. And I'm I'm leading from acceptance. I'm doing it for acceptance. And yeah. And so, um, and I you know I'd, I'd lay that challenge out to you. Um, now I will say, I am amazed at our college students that come because this year especially. We have so many people that are like, yeah, I have a final tomorrow and they are are there on Thursday nights. And I'm not saying coming to college ministry is you putting your hope in Christ. But what I'm saying is like, I just want to commend all of you if you're, if you're coming as well. Like that's a pretty phenomenal thing to even begin thinking through. Like, I'm not going to put my hope in what I'm going to accomplish on that test. I'm going to do what I know I, I, the Lord has called me to do. It's good. Anyway. Okay. 
So that's how the world would answer what is our only hope in life and death. Let's go ahead and read the full answer, not the kid's answer. Let's read the full answer. Um, and uh, we'll, I'll read the full thing, and then if we could just break it down line by line and then go through um, it together. So that the answer is, um, what is our only hope in life and death? That we are not our own. We are not our own, but belong body and soul, both in life and death, to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me read that one more time. We are not our own, but belong body and soul, both in life and death, to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, let's let's just read the scripture, if someone can pull it up. Yep. Um, read that scripture, and, and just we'll see that it's actually based in God's Word. Yeah, so that scripture comes from Romans chapter 14, verses 7 to 8. It says, for none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Mm. The Apostle Paul, Book of Romans, you know, it's so complicated. Um, what I would just say about this passage is he's writing to believers and he's writing to and believers he hasn't met yet, but he's he's writing to them, and so he's speaking to believers right now. And and what he's saying is like if you if you truly um, have your hope in Christ, right? If you if you believe, um, if you belong to God, then there's nothing you do outside of mm-hmm. what's for Him, right? Like if you're gonna live, man, you're living to the Lord. Like you you belong to Him. If you're gonna die, you're dying to the Lord. And and why he says both of those is saying there's literally nothing you do. Yeah, that doesn't belong to God if you are a believer. Now, how does that relate to us saying that our hope is is God in life and death? You get what I'm asking? Like, how, so we read that scripture, and how do we like from that scripture answer the question itself? What is our only hope in life and death? I think like from this, it has the idea that like we belong to Christ, like we are his, we've been purchased by him. And so therefore like our um, life is committed to him and our purpose is um, for his glory. And I think of in uh, Philippians when um, Paul talks about like to live as Christ and to die as gain. Like even there, it's the same concept that if he is living, then everything he is doing is to make Jesus known and to glorify him and to spread the gospel. And if he dies, it is also for uh, the glory of God. And he has hope knowing because he belongs to Jesus, his eternity is sealed. Yeah. That's my question. Why is it hopeful? Yeah. Cause he, when he dies, like you get to be in eternity with, Jesus isn't just a good place. Like, you know, culture kind of talking about, oh, if I do good things, I end up in a good place. Like heaven is a presence of God and perfect relationship with him. Um, and that is such a beautiful um, desire. And it has a hopeful thing that we can be confident in. Yeah. There's no matter what you do, if you're not your own and you belong to somebody else that the, the result doesn't rely on your shoulders, no. right? It's, the world isn't supported by you, and that is a hopeful, and it's joyful as well, but that's a yeah. hopeful statement that whatever you do, if you're belonging to God in it, then it's, it's Him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. It makes me think of the Isaiah 29 passage where um, Isaiah is actually rebuking them, rebuking them here in this case, if I remember correctly, but he's talking about the potter and the clay, and this idea that um, God is the potter and we are the clay, um, and, you know what we are 
is not something that's in our hands, but has been established by the Lord. Um, and we can hope in the fact that, you know, that's not something we can mess up, I guess is what yeah. I, I'd say. Yeah. Um, let's, you know, as we're thinking through this, let's just go through this line by line, this answer and see if we've missed anything or anything we want to accent. Um, that we are not our own. I think we've we've established mm-hmm. that one, but belong body and soul. Why is that line in there? I think it's to capture that our full essence of who we are is belonging to the Lord. Um, you know, it's not just our soul, and we, you know, we lose our body at the end of it, or our body is not something He's, you know, concerned about. But like our full essence. Mm-hmm belongs. Yeah. And I think it accents too, that it's not just our actions, right? Like, so we're not our own, but we belong body. The body is the, the, you know, the things that you do your actions through, right? Like it's, it's what you work with, what you strive for, what you accomplish with, but we belong both in the body, what we do physically and the soul, who we are spiritually, Mm -hmm. both of those things, like all encompassing 360, like though, both those, um, belong to the creator of the world. Um, yeah. And so it doesn't rely on our actions and even, you know, our spiritual life is in his hands. Right. And that once we are his, he owns us and and never lets us go, which is amazing. Yeah. It makes me think of, is it Gnosticism that like separates spirituality, like spiritual versus physical? Is that Gnosticism? Gnosticism is like the hidden truth. And okay, what's I, th- the one? I There's think something. they believed that Jesus had two separate, like. There's some no. belief that like separated like that all things physical are evil and like you just want that's, spiritual that's, things. Yeah, I think that's, I think Gnosticism, Asceticism, you maybe know, that's could be it. To, I don't but, know. Yeah. But either way, that makes me think of this, how it like, it's like rebukes almost like all those beliefs. Even now, like we are in this culture of spirituality mm-hmm. where like I have a spiritual part of me, but then I can do whatever I want because mm-hmm. like I already have the spiritual part and like my body is my own. Mm-hmm. And so I think this also like rebukes that. It's like from like these ancient beliefs, like Gnosticism or whatever it is I'm thinking of to even like our current culture that like, like you were saying, we don't just give um, like kind of spiritual Sunday morning part of ourselves to God. It's also not just this physical action part, mm-hmm. but it is the whole encompassing um, of all of it. Yeah. I think that relates. And a lot of you are going to be relating to this to Catholicism because you go to a Catholic university or, I mean, Catholicism is the largest mm-hmm. besides Mormonism. Now is the largest Catholic, uh, Christian religion in, in America. Right. I, not know I believe so at this point, I, or it used to be right. Um, you know, don't quote me on those statistics. They're, <laughs> they're way outdated. Do not, do not come at me. Okay. Um, but that idea is that your body is taking care of many of the things, right? Is it, pain penance and saying these certain prayers. And like, there's this idea that your body and what you do carries the weight of your soul, Mm -hmm. but both belong to Lord. And so let's continue. Um, We are not our own, but belong body and soul, both in life and death. We've covered that pretty Mm -hmm. well at this point to God and to our savior, Jesus Christ. Why list both? And why not the spirit. Yeah. That's my question. So Yeah. Let's uh let's talk about that for for a minute. Maybe we can get into it. We're 19 minutes in, so we won't have Ooh. too much time. But um, let, let's start with why have to God and Jesus Christ? Like why even delineate rather than just saying belong to God? I think part of that it separates us from other um, religions that believe in a God or some type of deity, and like us believing in Jesus Christ himself separates us. That's very specific. Um, from so many other religions. And so I wonder if that's part of it, is just to make sure that we know 
that um, the God that we um, have our hope in is a Trinitarian God that includes um, Christ the Son. Yeah. Yeah, and I I think it, I, I agree with Hannah fully. Like, I think it specifically ties it. It can't be just an Old Testament, like, section of scripture. You have to bring in the New Testament and the completed work that Jesus does. Um, and I think it it's intended, I mean, it's not even just Jesus Christ, but our Savior, Jesus Christ. So it's, it's pulling in implication that Jesus's uh, life, death, and resurrection is part of what we belong to um, in with the Father. Um, I was thinking about this because um, I think it's a valid question. Why not? Why not the Spirit? You know, with the we believe in it, uh, God three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I'm curious what your guys' thoughts are. I've a lot of the ways I've heard that the Trinity ex, um, expressed is um, it's like God and the Father um, uh, through no by Jesus through the Spirit. Um, and so it's just the idea of like the, through the spirit is more of like, um, action esque. I don't know if I'm making sense here. I, I feel like the idea you're coming with is that, like, that we are like sealed by the spirit and he's yeah. in us. And so like part of that salvation aspect, like our hope is through the spirits. I mean, that doesn't need to be mentioned. Is that kind of what you're saying? I think so. I, I, like I, his sealing kinda, yeah. and his presence within us is like the implied part. Mm-hmm. And then our hope is in. God and Jesus. Yeah. Also. And I, th- I think, one. I don't think scripture ever says we belong to the spirit. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I just think it's not explicit. And I'm sure that's one of the reasons it doesn't say it because mm-hmm. scripture doesn't go that far to say it. Mm-hmm. We do belong to Jesus. He is mm-hmm. our good shepherd. Right. And we are his sheep. Uh, we know that for sure. We know we belong to God because we've been adopted as sons and daughters of God. So scripture is very clear about those two. There's nothing that says that we belong to the spirit. So I'm going to guess that that's one of the reasons right there. They're all one. Just wait yep. till Trinity so, week, everybody. But <laughs> I, would, I would also say, though, that it's it's a matter of the roles, right? So the spirit yeah. is the, so the spirit is also called the spirit of Christ. And the spirit is only in those who belong to Christ. Yep. And so it's representative of, of Christ himself yeah. and Christ's work in you and through you and his, and his work to sanctify you to look like him. So... I'd say that maybe that's another reason because, mm-hmm. you know, it's by the Spirit you belong to Christ, but it's mm-hmm. a, it's a seal of salvation. But the the mark of the Spirit is technically a mark of Christ, right? Yeah. Like that it's Christ within you, yeah. um, and and uh, you know He, the Holy Spirit, um, you know He is a a a full part of the Trinity. But I think it's like the same way we don't often say we worship the Spirit. Um, now we we do say we worship the triune God, um, Father, Spirit, and Son, um, but it's not often we sit and have a whole song dedicated to worshiping just the Spirit. Yeah, and I'd say it's because the Spirit's role is as helper. Yeah, mm-hmm. and 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 so what's it? You know, what is he helping? He's helping you know and worship Christ. Yeah, and it's, and it's I agree. In, tr- in spirit and in truth that we worship. So I think that's why personally they went with that because they're, they're prioritizing. Yeah. Um, but and it, also to tie it back to the God part of it too, because we've mentioned it specifically says Jesus by doing that. They're also specifically talking about Yahweh, um, it, not another God, which Hannah had mentioned, but it's Yahweh and Jesus, um, of right. the Bible. Like the, like, yeah, that's his personal name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and to our savior. So it, I think it's just, you know, the reason they say that is because there's so many scriptures that say we belong to both of them, Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and it's through the spirit by Christ's actions to God. So. All right. 
Um, so, you know, we got just a couple minutes left, 24 minutes, 24 minutes in. I just want to ask, um, what does this look like in our lives? If we truly believe this and let's, let's say we were just starting to believe this, what are, what are fruits of this in our lives? How do we walk in this way? How do we learn it? How do we do it? Like, give me examples of what it means to actually live your life like it belongs to, to Jesus. So whenever I was thinking about this, um, bear with me for a minute. I was thinking about Toy Story, you know, like Woody and like, what does he have written on the bottom of his shoe is Andy's name. Like Woody knows that he belongs to Andy and everything Woody does is to be with Andy and to please Andy and to grow in this relationship with him. And we see like these movies where he is like wholeheartedly committed to like bringing like joy and growing in relationship with the person that owns him. And he knows who he belongs to and all of his actions spill out of this idea of belonging. Um, Co- you, Cody's making faces right now. You, so I don't know if this is right. I'm freaking it, well, out. It's amazing. Did you just make a scriptural truth out of toy story? Maybe <laughs> She did. I love it. Cause I, that's what I think of like, so like when we're like, when we are sealed by the Holy spirit, that is like God, um, inscripting his ownership onto us. And that is what, um, we have our hope in is knowing that we are secured in our relationship with God through Christ, that we are sealed with the Holy spirit that on the bottom of our shoe is written um, like the name of God. And so because of that, like our whole life is meant to, um, do what pleases our good father and to grow in relationship with him and not to earn anything, um, because Christ has done that for us, but because we are so in love with the one to whom we belong, that everything pours out of that. So I had to ask myself, like, am I truly living as if that is true? As if I know who I belong to? Um, and I don't think that always is, but I think it looks like this wholehearted devotion yeah, like we good. see in Woody. Yeah, And it's good because... I mean, God is better than Andy, right? Andy yeah. casts Woody aside for a new toy, and yeah. God never does that to us, yeah. right? And so He's the perfect Andy, right? Yeah. He is. And but it's it's. I mean, that plays out pretty good. Like when, like in the first movie, when Woody is and Buzz are in Sid's house. What is the ultimate goal? To get, get back to Andy, right? And so, I think I want to draw that out and say what it looks like is that when you are away, when you are apart from God, when you are doing things that separate you from him, when you're giving into your sin, when um, you are doing things that might make you ashamed, um, when you do the things you don't want to do, the fact that you don't want to do them and you are striving to to get back to him, right? So it's not just that you're living yeah. your life for God and to God. It's that in the moments when you're not, you regret it, you feel convicted on it, and you are heading that way. And so I, I do want to, you know, throw in the pastoral rebuke real quick that um, if you're living in a way that is not glorifying the Lord and you can sense that, right, you are being convicted by the Spirit, um, I want to I want to encourage you now, listener, to head back to the Lord, right? To, like, yeah. if you truly say your hope in life and death is Jesus Christ, then um, you're going to do everything you can to get back to Him, right? And He's going to accept you yes, with is. open arms because you know what? You didn't work in the first place to get to him, right? Like he, he worked in you. And, uh, and so I'd say, humble yourself, fall to your knees, pray, and, uh, and just fall back into the, the Lord who owns both your life and your death, right? Your body and your soul come back to him. Um, that's good. All right. What is there anything else you want to add to what it looks like? Regent? Well, I was just going to say, I really like that we touched on like anxiety and those types of things at the beginning of the podcast, 
Because like in my personal experience over the last year, I've, I've dealt with some anxiety that kind of came out of nowhere for me. Um, and I, I didn't know it at the time, but I actually had to ask this question of myself because that anxiety was for me was based in not hope in, um, the Lord, but was hope in my own control over my own body. Um, and I, what really works, worked well for me. And one of the things I had to go to was, uh, just these truths about the Lord. Um, I really loved Psalm 18 and talking about like his, he's a fortress, he's a stronghold, the horn of our salvation, a refuge, someone we can lean into and asking those questions of like, is that what I believe about the Lord? And then is that what I believe in my heart about the Lord? Um, and taking that to him, um, and trying to bring my heart posture before him in that way. Good. I think I would just add to all those things. There's an assurance that comes, um, that let's head back to the perfectionism and achievement. There is an assurance that comes, uh, from the Lord when you realize that you belong fully to him, that it doesn't matter what you do as long as you're doing it for him. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, um, you're not achieving an A on that test in order to, um, gain anything from the world that you think is going to satisfy your soul. Your soul has already been satisfied. And so you are getting an A on that test to glorify the one that satisfies you. And you're doing it because you want to accomplish a career in which you can glorify him using your gifts, talents, abilities, and callings. And, um, and that changes the game that changes everything. When you look at like, I'm going to get this A so that I can pass this class. So and let's talk to our Palmer students for a minute so that I can be a chiropractor so that I can bring people to me and that I can have personal conversations about their lives as I'm working on them and I can get to know them and I can build yep. trust with them and I can bring them to the Lord in a way that allows me to do that. And honestly make enough money to be able to give to the church generously and give to his causes generously, right? Like that's yeah. a God glorifying way to be a chiropractor. Um, and, and someone that their only hope in life and death, is Christ, that's the way they're going to think. That's the way they're going to act. Um, that's how Paul thought, just like Hannah said, right? Like to, to live as Christ and to die as gain, like both, both are, both are amazing. And so I'd say there's an assurance that comes from like, you, you are not, uh, you're not striving, um, for acceptance. You're coming from acceptance. Um, we talk about all that in worship leading all the time, right? Like on the stage, you leading for acceptance of your people, or are you leading from acceptance of God? Um, so good. We're uh, 30 minutes in. So anybody have any final things I want to add to episode one of the New City Catechism? I could talk for hours, but I won't. <laughs> this gives me pumped though. Yeah, this, this is, is fun. Yeah, this is so exciting. This is so fun. Next week, we answer the question, what is God? What right. is yeah. it's it's a it's it, 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 it sounds easy. to be who is God, right? Yeah, that's so, what I love about what? it. Yeah, so just rest on that. We'll talk about it next week. Um, just know we love you. We're praying for you and, uh, we'll see you next time.